You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network once again for another random rewatch episode of TV. Funnily enough, we're coming to you again for Smallville season five, episode five. We're feeling a bit of thirst today, and uh, this is one interesting episode. <laughs> That I'm sure you are looking forward to us talking about. My name is Ben, and you taste so much better than pepperoni. No, it was my life. <laughs> Out of all the ones that are written down, I happen to steal yours. Do you want me, can no. I? Do you want me to redo that so you can use that? No, 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 no. Because no, you know what? I was going to say my name's Colin, and I taste so much better than pepperoni. So thank you, Ben, that we both acknowledged how good I taste. Well, I was also going to use, my name is Ben, also known as 100% corn-fed Kansas beef, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll go with that one. <laughs> Didn't we do that the other week or something I with one of the, so, yeah. we stole our lines? <laughs> oh, goodness. But um, you that's also a phrase you often say when you watch this episode. Oh, goodness. Um, now, people who have listened to our first two episodes of this random rewatch of Smallville, Colin has basically, because Colin's huge Smallville fan. I've watched Smallville before, but it's been a while since I've seen these. But Colin's basically put the challenge out when he said, like, I'm going to choose really good episodes and really bad episodes, and I'm not going to tell you which one's which. He uh, did not tell me again which one this was. And I've said to him, basically, before we started recording this, was this one of the bad ones that you were talking about? <laughs> and Colin's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This um, this was an interesting episode. I mean, look, let's, let's be honest. It's quite fun to watch a bunch of uh, very attractive girls getting it on with girls for the most part and, you know, being very sexy girls. But it also was an episode that the uh, the creators, I believe, said was one of the worst that they've ever done. Um, I mean, my history, I, I did not remember this coming into it, um, probably for good reasons. Um, but, yeah, this was, this was an interesting one that you chose for us to watch. Yeah, and, and when I was looking through episodes, I was thinking, well, would there be a good one from this season? And this immediately stuck out to me. Mostly because, like you said, the creators, this stuck out for them. And my first memory of watching this episode was when it first aired and thinking that was so bad. Uh, And when it came out on DVD, you know, I bought the DVD and I actually skipped this episode and watched the rest of the season. And as soon as the season was finished, I'm like, let me go back and listen to the commentaries that they recorded. And then I found this was one of the few commentaries they recorded. I'm like, well, I have to hear why they recorded the commentary. And they basically say right at the beginning that this was like a project of to, to explain what they were thinking when they made this. Because it's kind of taken on this infamous quality where it's just, it's, it's so bad that in ways it's entertaining, uh, but in other ways it's so bad it, it's, it's painful. And I, I have so many strong reactions to this episode every time I watch it. Um, mostly nausea, which I've been wanting this time, and I couldn't explain it. As I was watching it with my wife, I'm like, is it weird that I actually feel nauseous after watching this episode? Because it's just so bad. Uh, I, I, at the same time, I love this episode because it is that bad, and it gives us so much good material. I mean, we've been able to, you know, get great, funny material out of some of the best episodes of Smallville. I mean, imagine what we're going to be able to talk about on this one. <laughs> I um when because I, I think you might have mentioned to me it might have been the end of the last episode where you said it had to do with the sorority house and and that sort yeah. of thing but there was an ep and I was thinking it was this episode but it wasn't there's an episode where like Clark is in some form of college dorm or something like that and he's got like two 
girls in bras coming after him or something like that at, in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't clearly this episode. Maybe I remember that one more. Yeah, that um, might be season four. There was one where he was being recruited for uh, like college football, but I'm not possibly. sure if that's the one. Possibly, because I remember, I think one of the girls who played one of the girls who was coming on to him was in another movie that I watched, and I was like, wow, she's amazing, I want to know who she is. And I was like, oh, she was in Smallville, and then it just kind of connected the dots, and there's a nice screen cap of her on it. Anyway, I'm just not going to get into that, I just sound like a dirty If you send me the screen cap, I'll identify the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're getting back into Sarah Carter territory here again. But, um, also, Sarah, if you're listening, hi, we're still here. Uh, but... <laughs> We should talk about this episode. That's funnily enough what we're here to, uh, to do. Again, I sort of, there's little subtleties in this episode, which obviously the grand scheme of things in season five, um, we'll get to, uh, obviously with James Masters' character and sort of the setups there. But I mean, it really is just one of these villain of the week, monster of the week episodes, which, um, you know, is, as you said, probably one to skip over. But anyway, we'll get to that. We start off though, we're, we're at the Daily Planet. You know, hey, Daily Planet, Superman, woohoo! And who's there? It's Princess Leia. She's now yes. the uh, editor <laughs> chief of the, the Daily Planet. She's fallen on hard times mm-hmm. um, <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But I mean, you did mention this Carrie Fisher uh, yeah. in this episode. Is this is this the first one she's in? Is this the only one she's in? It's the only one, and that's what disappointed me was because if you watch this episode. I mean, it's basically her interviewing Chloe for a job and then rewarding her with a job at the end. And I I remember thinking when this aired, oh, this is great. They're going to bring her back later in the season. She never comes back again. So disappointing. Yeah, because I kind of, again, been so long since I've seen it. And I just, the way she was there, it kind of, it didn't feel like she wasn't a regular recurring, you know, person. Mm -hmm. It was well introduced. I'm thinking like, oh, this is the fifth time we've seen Carrie Fisher as editor-in-chief. Pauline Kahn was her name, and is her name, actually. And, yeah, Chloe's getting interviewed for uh, an internship at the Daily Planet. We learn that uh, Chloe's had a column there that was given to her, what, by Lionel and then taken away by Lionel. Um, Going back to the very inappropriate relationship when she was in high school. (laughs) Yes. But, like... Look, I, I was a reporter for a newspaper. My editor was not quite... My editor was not Carrie Fisher, sadly. Uh, but uh, he also was not quite this ruthless. Uh, but, I, you know, I have met other editors at newspapers who I would not surprise me if they were like this. But I love the fact that she's there and she's all like, oh, you had a column, you know, you were so... you know, I mean, who gets a column at a major newspaper and doesn't get an internship? Like, this is... I think I'm on Chloe's um, page here because she's kind of... Ex- expecting she should get this she's basically being brought into this office just so that she can meet her and basically like oh i wanted to meet who you are like if you get a column at a major newspaper and you don't get a job this i mean okay she got a column because of lionel luther but still like they're still publishing it and again let's go back to chloe a couple of weeks ago i'm already in my high horse pitch voice getting angry here <laughs> <laughs> You know, Chloe, the the one girl newspaper at, at Smallville High. What was what's it called? The Smallville Chronicle? The Torch. The Torch. That's it. The Torch. Yeah. You know, and and how is Carrie Fisher unimpressed by her? Like she's telling stories about Jonathan Kent being up for murder and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> oh no, you're too you're too little. Like oh god, no, you can't work for us. Like what a load of shit, Carrie Fisher. Come on. Um, I mean, let's just boil it down to what it is as successful as chloe is to have that column in the daily planet (laughs) 
her best friend was both a landlord and business owner at the same age. So Chloe's falling up short right now <laughs> as far as living out her dream. Uh, I love the fact, though, that, uh, you know, this basically ends that Chloe stands up to her like, Ooh, I'm going to be this and I'm so good. And then that's in my impersonation of Chloe, apparently. And <laughs> That's what Chloe always sounds. <laughs> that's spot on. It's absolutely spot on. You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, then, of course, it basically ends with, uh, I'm just going to call her Carrie Fisher. Uh, <laughs> Pauline Khan. <laughs> You've listened to the Oz Network enough. We don't care about their characters' names. It's all about the actors. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, bring me a story. You know, fair enough. That's that's legitimate. Like, I remember when I sort of went for the job at my newspaper and hadn't been guaranteed it, they kind of said to me, like, look, if you don't get it, you can still send us stories. We're always interested in this, that, and everything else. So that's kind of legit. But again, this so is... So you brought an interview with the curators of the Twister Museum. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that really got me a job. <laughs> Thank you to the ladies in Wakita, Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> but, um, like, this is, again... We're now into the fifth episode of the fifth season of Smallville. We've seen all these freaks and geeks surrounded by meteors. Like, how can she not bring us like a story show? She knows Clark's secret at this point, does she not? Yeah, I can give you the best story. (laughs) Just backstab a friend, but it sets it up into so we get um, Chloe switches into like this weird narration mode, which I kind of like. I liked how she's kind of telling a story and going back over it, but. yeah, is this episode basically all born is down to just Chloe wanting a job and she just happens to stumble into Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well, interesting enough, you mentioned the narration, which, uh, great trivia here. As I said, you know, the the creators of the show, the writer of the show, they did the commentary for this, and they said that narration was added after the episode was already finished because of how bad the episode was. <laughs> they figured if they throw that in there they can try and piece it back together. So all that narration was done after the fact. Um, This show had a completely different opening originally. Originally, it opened with Lana trying out for the sorority and jumped into everything else. And the the scene with Carrie Fisher, I guess, was all tacked on the end. So this narration was done after the fact. Wow, okay. Um, I mean, just a long line of things they had to do to fix this episode, as if that really helped. But... There's other issues with the narration, which um, uh, I'll get into right now. Uh, I know we had this discussion on a movie you love, Titanic, and a movie I hate, Titanic. About Coming my soon biggest complaint of the movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> we have to do that one soon because I already I have a backup to my argument here. My argument with Titanic has always been: you're watching this old lady tell a story <laughs> from her own perspective, and half of like the first half hour of the movie is stuff she was never there to witness, <laughs> and it just it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And this was the best picture. Well, this entire episode is Chloe narrating events she was not there for, primarily the ones with. Milton Fine and Lex Luthor <laughs> that have nothing to do with the sorority story, and then Chloe's writing about it in her column, apparently. Well, well, let's be fair. Chloe is the is a also a budding TV scriptwriter, so she needs to provide background information and side plots to make her story exciting. It's just like Titanic, you know. Like, I mean, Old Rose has to, you know, say how Jack gets his ticket on the boat, and um, you know, has to <laughs> detail all these other bits too. I mean, otherwise, we're just going to get three hours of Rose on the toilet and waiting to be posed like a French girl, you know, like, 
At least know. the movie would have been under four hours then. <laughs> Can we do Titanic next? Can we please do Titanic next? <laughs> oh, please. Hey, Bill Paxton's in it. Yeah. <laughs> in a long line of Bill Paxton tribute episodes, Titanic next. Can I touch on one more thing please, here about... Please, please uh, do. We're, we're not really following the whole plot here, but let's be honest, the show didn't follow the plot. They rearranged all this of their episode scenes episode has out a plot? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, here's... Here's one of my big issues, and again, I'm glad that we're doing this, you know, only two episodes after covering Who Shot Lionel Luther, and Chloe, <laughs> as we said, very cruelly printing a story about her best friend's father being tried for murder. When she's writing this story, she says, you know, the, the leader of the sorority, Buffy Sanders, and then she says, I've changed the names to protect their identities. These girls are murderers! <laughs> They're mass murderers. They're not, Colin. They're sick. They've got diseases. <laughs> they have no motive. Well, this is and my point, yet, actually. Like, it's, I'm glad wants you... to protect her identity. You bring that up because, like, again, we're jumping ahead. At the end of the episode where they're basically all... She's all like, oh, and they were cured, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they've killed, like, innocent pizza boys. <laughs> like, why do we care that they've been cured? They, they, they literally how many kick Halloween pe- party guests? <laughs> they kick people off, like, the top of stairs and break all their bones just to see if they're immortal. Like, what if Lana wasn't immortal? You just killed someone. Oh, well, lol, let's move on. <laughs> yeah there's so many problems in this episode but it's hilarious because i i have to point something out here and and again this is sometimes people get the idea that it's like oh well it was just a bad script or whatever we have the writer on this episode actually explaining you know i don't know what happened with this episode and the guy who wrote this Stephen Knight. He wrote a ton of great episodes for Smallville. He went on to do uh, the Spartacus TV show. He's the showrunner on Netflix Daredevil, which is, like, one of the best shows on TV. He's directing the new Pacific Rim movie. I mean, this guy went into a huge career. And he came originally from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. And even he's on this episode going, like, I don't know what's going on in this episode. I don't know why we did this. Well, as Carrie Fisher says in this episode, you've got to start from the bottom. So, you know, <laughs> my, I mean, my, just why we kind of, I mean, look, if you listen to our other Smallville ones, we kind of go back. It's not really like our movie ones where we're legitimately a really yeah. going secret scene. We're kind of back and forth because, again, this episode is shit. But, like, um, what at what point, I'm really jumping ahead here, but I just want to get this out now because I'm going to forget. At what point does Chloe actually know they're vampires? Because I swear it just comes out of the blue. She's just literally like... Oh, they're vampires. Like, when she holds the cross up at, I think, Lana or whoever it is at that point. It's like, do we ever get that yeah. reveal? No, because, I mean, the closest we have is that she's narrating, you know, <laughs> after, well, let's just cover exactly what happened here. Lana goes to the sorority, you know, they bite her and do a little bit more to her in silhouette. And <laughs> suddenly she's a, a drunken vampire. <laughs> So, Chloe opens the curtains as Lana's staying with her in her room, which, by the way, the roommate was hilarious. I don't know why this <laughs> yes. roommate wasn't in more. I want more of the roommate in this. Yes. But she opens the curtains and Lana's like, oh, oh, the sun. And the only thing Chloe says later on when she's searching for vampires is like, they have issues with sunlight. And it's like, if you're perceiving this as your drunken roommate first thing in the morning and you open the curtains in her face, I mean, is she going to have another reaction? Clearly, Chloe, Chloe does not like, hang around drunk it. people. Because, like, that is anybody who's ever had a hangover. Are we all vampires? No, we're just hungover. <laughs> She's immediately like, 
I got it, vampire. I wonder what will happen if I feed you some garlic bread. This is, this is like going back to what we're talking about, just Smallville, the world of Smallville, you know. It's just like, oh, no, they must be a vampire because they hate the sun. Like, oh, they've been around meteor rocks. Like, if this was, like, you know, in Gotham City, do they make, automatically assume they're a vampire? I mean, there's bats in that world too, but, like, you know. <laughs> But, like, here's the thing. Maybe it's just that people have it so ingrained in them all the rules of vampires, you know? Because, again, I'm watching this with my wife, and I mean, I'm not really into vampire stuff. You know, she's mentioning, oh, yeah, she kind of liked Buffy the Vampire Slayer when she was younger. But this scene where, you know, she's, she says something about being alive or something like that, and my wife is protesting. She's like... <laughs> They're not alive. Vampires are supposed to be dead. And she's going on about this for half the episode about, but vampires are dead. They can't, like, this, none of this makes sense. And I'm like, vampires also, also aren't real. <laughs> this is a debate. But maybe that's where Chloe's thinking is. She's like, wait a second. Vampires. Sunlight. I got it. I love the fact that you're like, that Jamie's protesting. I can imagine her standing outside the WB with a sign, like, going, vampires aren't alive. Vampires aren't yeah. alive. <laughs> The things our, our close friends and wives protest about. Coming soon to the Oz Hashtag Network. vampires so dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God, jumping around. I, I need to mention, like, kind of going back. Here we go, back and forth. Uh, when we first see the Tri-Sci sorority and the Pizza Boy arrives. Now, I've seen lots of films where Pizza Boys <laughs> arrive at houses and the hot tubs are there. Doesn't usually end with uh, red fluid uh, coming up out of places, but um, <laughs> that, that that to me is a good thing to become a pizza boy. Besides the fact that they kind of die, but <laughs> I'm watching this kid like he he gets led into the house. Fair enough, you got three women like that. You're gonna do whatever they say. Um, but like, a is he in that hot tub? Like, did he have his swimming clothes on him just in case that happens, or is he <laughs> is he naked? I don't know. And then, how long has he been in that hot tub to only realise? Oh, hang on a minute, I've got other deliveries. Like, I hope he doesn't yeah, exactly. work for one. Well, he's worried about the, but, but what about your pizza? <laughs> like, as he's been in the hot tub for a while, the pizza's getting cold, guys. <laughs> Not my boss is expecting me back at work. <laughs> I, I love the. I mean, let's just be honest. This is the world of Smallville where the women are promiscuous and the men just don't know what to do. We saw it with Clark the other week. We're going to see it with Clark in this episode. Like, this is not, like, going off everything that happens in Smallville. Meteorites, uh, flying superheroes, vampires. The only thing to me that is not believable is the fact that the men don't want to have sex in Smallville. That's, to me, the most unbelievable thing in this entire show. <laughs> You know, we really do have to get my wife on one of these episodes. Oh, please do. Jamie's was a star of the Logan recap. Where is she? Come on. She's actually sleeping about five feet behind me right now. Wake up, Jamie. But her protests are so opposite of our opinions. We need a female perspective on this because when (laughs) they open the door and he's sitting there delivering the pizza and he's got that awkward look on his face, like, hey, hey, girls, how's it going? She's looking at us like, what, has this guy never seen a bikini before? Like, she's actually getting upset. She thinks this is real, unrealistic and, like, it's some plot holes. Like, a guy wouldn't be, like, that phased by three girls. And she's like, has no guy ever seen a bikini before? I'm like, I'm telling her, if he has, I guarantee they didn't open the door yes. two feet from him. 
and allow him to stare. Like, if you see somebody in a bikini, you're not going to be standing two feet from them staring for ten minutes straight and then say, want to come in the hot tub? That's never happened to me. Has it happened to you, Ben? <laughs> oh, every day, actually, Colin. It just happens to me, you know. I mean, clearly, my moonlighting is a pizza delivery well, guy. Is Jamie, is Jamie missing the point about men? Like, I'm sorry. Like, hashtag <laughs> men are bastards. Because, seriously, it doesn't matter if you are the most... Uh, like, you are a guy who is, like, the most attractive guy. If you're Chris Hemsworth, who I'm sure before he got married, you know, he well, went around the place. Of course it is Chris or, Hemsworth. Or, let's just say Colin Hilding. Oh, Colin Hilding. If you are the Lothario Colin, Colin Hilding, you know, you are, you are betting women every night. It doesn't matter if you open a door and there are three women, three beautiful women in a bikini, you don't turn around and go, ah, I've had sex a hundred times this week. I don't want it again. You are a horny guy (laughs) with three beautiful women in front of you. You don't give a shit. You are going to go in the hot tub, all right? Hashtag men are bastards. There's a movie I want to cover on here, which I've never seen, but the premise alone warrants us covering this movie. If we could go and do a blind review or something like that or a blind recap... It's a movie called Knock Knock about a guy who's at home alone after his wife is off on vacation or something like that. And two girls, stranded girls, show up in the rain, soaking wet, asking to come in and dry off and basically seduce the guy or spend the night seducing the guy. It's supposedly like a thriller or a horror movie. A Rocky Horror Picture Show, is it? (laughs) The the guy in it is Keanu Reeves, okay? Okay, well, there we go. We're watching it. If you're Keanu Reeves, you're still opening that door, okay? And that's Keanu Reeves. And that movie makes sense to any guy who's seen that trailer. (laughs) Exactly. This is the thing. This is what Jamie and women out there need to understand, all right? Hashtag men are bastards. We are going to be in that situation. I'm sure right now, Jamie, that if Colin had to go next door to get a cup of sugar and two girls answer the door in a bikini, like, I'm not saying Colin's going to cheat on you because Colin loves you dearly and he loves Casper, but he's still at least going to be like, he's not going to be like, I'm sorry, I have a wife. (laughs) Even if you're married and happy, if you're straight you're going to at least react like this guy did at the yes. door. You may not jump in the hot tub, but you're going to have the same reaction. And she was objecting just to his reaction. The guy looks like he's never seen a woman in a bikini before. Sure he has, on his laptop screen. Colin, you know? Colin, <laughs> again, can we also back up the fact that your wife is the same person who goes to, what is it, like, hunks.com and has pictures <laughs> of, like, Hugh Jackman shirtless. And what did we well, hear please, in the Logan episode please, about, like, oh, topless, hairy old Patrick Stewart wasn't bad? <laughs> Mostly Tom Well and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Jamie. What are you going to do, Jamie, if you knock on the door and Tom Welling answers with a six-pack and abs? You're going to get a block of cheese and start grating. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, like you've never seen a guy's abs before? <laughs> I mean, she sees mine all the time. Well, of course, you walk around <laughs> all the time with the your six-pack. and. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. uh, so the pizza boy's dead. So he dies. <laughs> yeah. Those, you know what I thought about at this moment, Colin? All those poor people out there who are missing out on their pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't care about his death. <laughs> but you know what? If they were guys and they saw who opened the door, they would say, I'm all right. I'll go grab a burger. And let me just point <laughs> out, Jamie. Jamie, if you watch the type of films that I watch, again, you are constantly seeing pizza boys going to houses <laughs> and poor girls who forgot their money and they have to pay for the pizza in other oh, ways. No. So Stuff we will not covering on the oh, damn it damn it that's one of my favorites <laughs> anyway back to smallville so we, um, we get this scene of oh dear old clark and lana i'm guessing they're together at this point otherwise they're just a little bit too close 
Yeah. <laughs> and we learn that uh, Lana has applied to go to Met You. She's got an elated mission. Paul, you know, little whispery, sweet little Clark is all sad. Why didn't you tell me that you applied? I mean, it was a fair point. I mean, like, you know, hashtag girls are bastards. Like, I mean, open relationship yeah. here. Be honest about things, love. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically we learned that Lana, the only way she can stay there is she joins a sorority. And this obviously, hmm, I wonder which one she's going to join. Uh, Tri-Sci sorority, which um, we eventually see she's joining and, um, you know, gets down to the final four and for some reason she's it. Um, and again, going back to the, maybe the type of films that I watch at that point when they turn around and say, oh, but you've also got to have a pledge with us. That's generally the part where the saxophone and the chicka chicka wow wow music starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) Not just a bite of a neck, although we did see a bit in the silhouette. So maybe it was the same type of film that I'm watching. Can I just point out that like the thing with this episode, it jumps around so like, It's so in your face in terms of... It doesn't set things up. It's just literally like, I'm going to met you. Okay, cool, great. Within five minutes, she's getting sucked by these girls on the neck and (laughs) she's a vampire. Like, this, like surely there needs to be a bit more of a lead into this. Like, that kind of, to me, it's like, whoa, that happened fast? Yeah, no build in this whatsoever. Um, And then the next thing you know, you know, she's waking up unconscious or whatever in chloe's room and we're still not even getting like when did she decide to stay with chloe because she said oh i think i'll be staying with chloe oh i might join a sorority and the next thing you know she's staying with chloe and joining a sorority and chloe's roommate seems to think that this has been going on for a while like that she's been there for a while so again i just like you said a lot of stuff jumps around probably has a lot to do with the fact that they did have to go back and reshoot these narration scenes and maybe add the additional scene with Carrie Fisher at the beginning, you know, just to try to pull this plot together. And in doing that, maybe they lost a lot of stuff. But I mean, the episode you mentioned before we went on the air that it breezes by, like it's a very quick episode. And I think that's partly because you have no clue what's going on (laughs) half the time. Yes. That's a good point. And that's, I mean, that kind of goes back to my point about when does Chloe know that these are vampires? It just comes out of nowhere. Um, and to be honest with you, like, I, the bits that I enjoyed in this episode were the James Masters scenes and, you know, when we had um, him and, and Lex together and just kind of that sort of setup. I mean, it's just, to me, that r- reminded me of, like, your hatred of Halle Berry and Die Another Day was, you know, her you know, obvious <laughs> one-liners. I love the pool scene when they're there, you know, they're just dropping these one-liners against each other. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll get to those, but... Yeah, it's just, it was like, we had this sweet little love scene, little, you know, love lawn, Clark, Kent and Lana, you know, oh, nothing will change between us, Clark. You know, we'll still have this incredible sexual tension, but we won't actually do anything about it until I'm a horny vampire and I'm on top of you. And yet you're the one who has communication issues. Can I just say, Kristen Crick, K, whatever her name is, um, she's fucking gorgeous in this episode when she turns slutty vampire. <laughs> just not that she's uh, I not, was thinking, you, you don't I, like I, it? I please tell me. No, no, please tell me that you're not referring to her hissing and her giant oh, bug eyes. God, no, not that. But, like, her I mean... sniffing. Like, not like, that... I, I'm sorry, but I don't know whose idea it was to have her sniffing Clark. Like, she's a dog. Like, I don't know when vampires became werewolves, but literally, she goes up to Clark, and it sounds like a dog... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why she's sniffing them. She's not a werewolf. I mean, like, I mean, not that Kristen Kluck isn't usually sexy, but, like, you know, going from innocent little Smallville business entrepreneur to, um, you know, sultry vampire. The scene when she's, like, climbing all over Clark when she's not sniffing him, like, that's, that's pretty sexy. Well, we talked about Tom Welling's, you know, acting chops in this, but... That's a great scene for him. It's probably because it's authentic. Too. But I just, I love Tom Willing's reaction to that scene because it's so awkward. And it's probably what everybody else, you know, would be responsible. It's probably what the pizza boy would be doing. I actually, I have to say, I didn't, there's only, I think, one bit in this entire episode where I'm like, well, Tom Welling, you really need to go to acting school. Like, he, I think he's improved a little bit by season five, episode five. Uh, I think it was, um,. The scene when he storms into Lex and he's all like, tell me about Project 1138. <laughs> like, it's just, it was so terrible. Yeah, that, I was, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad we're on the same page with our intro lines and with our Tom Willing bad delivery of the week. Because the other thing that's awkward about that scene, you know, when he does find out from Fine, like you uh, just go back for a second, you talk about Fine and Lex's scenes. Again, the scenes that just don't fit in the rest of the episode, the tone is so different, but it's mm. good. It's an interesting story, and it's the one thing you kind of need context of, you know, that Fine has this weird vendetta against Lex the entire season. And, you know, it does build up later on. I mean, I, I won't give the spoiler alert completely, but if you don't already know, if you haven't watched the rest of Smallville, he turns out to be a major Superman character or villain, Fine does, so... The stuff does build later on, but it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the episode because it's actually decent. Um, but that, that that whole plot with the, the Project 1138, which, by the way, great to drop a Star Wars number in there, too, mm-hmm. um, if nobody else caught that, or a George Lucas line there, 1138. When he jumps out of there to do that, he literally jumps out of nowhere. And it's not like he storms in a door. Like This is where the direction of the episode makes no sense to me. If you're doing a scene like that, you have Clark kick in a door or, you know, I don't know, open his window and just lunge through the window and tackle him to the ground. But he rounds a corner of Lex's house and he's like, what's Project 1138? <laughs> he's just holocausting him in a hallway. I don't know why he jumps out of nowhere like that. And then the other lines were good, too, that he has there where he's like, what is it? And he goes, don't lie to me. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That, that was the one I wrote down. I think was that the one I wrote down. Oh no, Lex, quit dancing around. What did Luther Court find? And that's exactly how Tom <laughs> Welling delivered the line. So <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's I mean, this goes back to what we're talking about about you know this multi-billionaire Lex Luther who has the worst security in the history of security. Um, oh, you know, Lex- I got it. One on the end of this episode too. <laughs> well, I mean, even even when we get um, James, again calling him by his actor's name, James Masters, Professor Fine just walks in, you know, and says, "Great shot." And again, no, it wasn't a great shot. He literally had the ball right in front of the pocket. That was the easiest shot in pool history. I could have made that shot. Um, but, and I'm terrible at pool. We're really jumping all over the place here. I. I <laughs> I just want to point out, James Masters, I know you teased about this uh, at the end of the last episode, but, um, you know, somebody who has watched Buffy and likes Buffy, he's a Buffy fan, just the Buffy references, like, I love the fact when we get James Masters in this episode when he sort of gets Clark like, oh, you're not going to believe this, but she's a vampire, and he just sort of the look in his face, there's no such thing as vampires, it's like, you know, he's Spike in Buffy, come on, one of the, you know, stars of the show, and then um, just the fact that we've got the lead character sort of the name change to Buffy of the Tri-Sci Girls and I think it doesn't even Carrie Fisher at one point say oh but we're not here to chase Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that she says a similar line but um 
I'm really jumping. I don't know. What are we up to with this episode? I, I do want to talk, like, we're jumping all over the place, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm lost. We're not gonna, well, no, but we're not going to come back and talk about James Marsters and Michael Rosenbaum, you know, every 10 minutes, because <laughs> it really doesn't fit the rest of it. Let's just get it all of the way now. Um, I'll give my James Marsters story now, because I, I did say, like, my bucket list is to meet everybody involved in Smallville. And, you know, so far I've been able to meet Erica Durant, you know, who plays Lois. Justin Hartley played the Green Arrow. Uh, Laura Vandervert, who played Supergirl, and Aaron Ashmore, who played um, Jimmy Olsen. So I forgot it for a second. I met him twice. And I forgot which Isn't he a twin? Played. Isn't he a twin in real life? Yeah, and his brother's in uh, Iceman and the X Men. So when you when you said you met him twice, did you just meet his twin? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just him. I mean, okay, okay. His brother's too famous to come to Manitoba right. Comic Con. Okay, of course, of course. But uh, James Marster has been to Winnipeg twice. And I can honestly say he's the only Smallville actor I've never met because his line never went down. Mm-hmm. I, usually when you're at these Comic-Cons, I mean, you're either paying to get an autograph from this person, in which case you're standing in line and handing them 40 bucks for an autograph, or you're prepaying to get your picture taken with them. And then, you know, they'll do an hour and a half where they're just taking pictures one after the other with people. And even then you're standing in line. Um, most people, even big celebrities, Patrick Stewart was here. There were moments where his line had maybe two people and you could jump in there and be like, you know what, even if I don't have the money, I'll go up and I'll talk to him. It might, I might stand in line for five minutes, but then you know these two people in front of me are going to be gone. James Marster's line never went down. And the only two people who have ever been here that had the similar reaction was William Shatner and Billy D. Williams, who's, of course, Lando in mm-hmm. the Star Wars movies. James Marsters got a bigger reception than Patrick Stewart when he was here. Wow. So I never really got the chance to even go up and talk to him. Um, my story of annoyance with him <laughs> is that uh, when he was here the same year that they had Laura Vandervert and Aaron Ashmore, and I wanted to get primarily them. I wanted to get pictures with them, and I had purchased two separate pictures. I'd get one with Aaron Ashmore and one with her. And the girl who was taking the orders put it down wrong. So when I went up there and told her she t- she put it down wrong, she was telling me, no, that's not what you said. That's not what you said. Meanwhile, the entire time she's distracted, people are trying to come up and pay for things. And she's like, I'm going to get my James Marsters picture in a few minutes. And she's going on and on about this. <laughs> my pictures never came to my email like three weeks later after uh. paying 50 bucks for them. And I emailed and I told the company and they're like, we know who you're talking about. We had a lot of problems with her. Thank you for the feedback. Here are your pictures. <laughs> wow. That bitch. She had this crazy reaction where paid employees of the Comic-Con or of whatever photo studio you're doing it are going crazy for him that they're not even accepting money properly and they're not taking orders properly and the man's line never went down. And I don't know why he's such a big deal. I love him on Smallville. Never watch Buffy. I think, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a, like Patrick Stewart, you know. Well, <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at his filmography, and he's he's a guy that definitely chooses very culty shows, like I mean, Buffy, you know, Angel, Smallville. He was in uh, Torchwood, um, and a bunch of other things. But so, but when I watch Buffy, so basically, my story with Buffy is that my my best friend and I we kind of organised a trade, and that that she would watch my favourite TV show and I would watch her favourite TV show and she would not watch Third Watch, so she had to watch my second favourite <laughs> TV show. I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with Third Watch. Uh, so she, I made her watch 24, so therefore I watched Buffy. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed Buffy. I've only ever watched it through the once, but she was like... Because I thought Angel was the guy that everybody loved in Buffy. Uh-uh. 
it's Spike. Spike is the one that, like, all the girls are like, oh, Spike, you know, James Master's character. And so she was, like, madly in love with him. So I'm guessing that just comes down to the fact that, you know, all the women out there just love him because of his Spike, you know, he's the bad guy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's great in Buffy. He really is, uh, you know, the star of so many of it. And I, I've never seen Angel. I believe he goes into Angel after Buffy ended. But, um, you know, that doesn't surprise me, just all the Buffy fans would be going crazy. And I love him. Like, I, as soon as, I, I did remember you said he was in this episode, and I remember him, I, I just looked up who you were saying he ended up being, because I forgot, but I, I remember that, actually. Um, but, I mean, from every time I've seen him in things, he's great. He seems very charismatic and such a nice guy as well. And, um, I mean, I would, if I was at that Comic-Con, I'd be in that line. I would want to meet James Masters, not for the reason some of the women would be, but hell, hell, why not, you know? Why not? Well, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, like, the the reaction primarily that women get for this guy. Because it, it's deceptive. I mean, the guy looks very young. You'd be shocked to know how old he is. I mean, 54. when he did Buffy, he was like, almost, yeah, he was almost 40 when he did Buffy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was well into his 40s here doing Smallville. And the guy's, like you said, he's in his mid-50s now. And I saw him when he was here at Comic-Con. And he doesn't look any different than he did when he was on Smallville 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's the unageable. He's a vampire. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He was playing himself. <laughs> he was. He was, he, he was typecast. That's, you know, Jamie, they are real, see? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, yeah, we, we just... I, and we get the reveal, don't we, that he is at least got powers because he stabs yeah. the Clark Kent-looking security guard. <laughs> it's, um, Which, I honestly thought another- that was Tom Willing. Like, when... I, I love that scene when Le- Luther is just like, follow him or whatever he says, like, when he leaves. And um, I swear, I thought, like, is that Tom Welling playing a security guard? Was it the acting? Because I don't even remember what the line <laughs> the security guard delivered was. But again, my wife, she turns to me right after she said that. It's like, boy, I bet you he rehearsed an hour for that line. <laughs> that was his big break. That was his big break. I do like, well, I mean, another, you go. I was going to say another funny thing about this is something I found from the, the, the commentary on this episode is that scene where fine stabs the guy you know in the 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 ship hanger at the end uh that or not even at the end it was like maybe two-thirds of the way through the episode that was supposed to be the final scene of the episode right before they went to credits right and they bumped it up you know when they reworked the episode because they thought otherwise nobody's gonna remember who the security guy is and here you are forgetting he was the security guy when it's only halfway through the episode now because everybody needs to know who the security guy is that's the most most important character of this episode couldn't we have just brought back jason connery for this part exactly oh god that that's what they're worried about oh my god they won't know who the security guy is our episode will be ruined move it up by 10 minutes This episode's doomed anyway. <laughs> I just actually, one thing I really, again, we're flipping over the place, but um, just the opening sequence, the somebody save me part. Um, mm-hmm. Since when did this turn into days of our lives with the turnaround face of camera with the wind machine? <laughs> I love the, the credits because this was the first season they changed the credits. I love these new ones. It, it mean, is cheesy. I'll give you that. That's what I mean, But like, 
the thing that I took from it, you know, you've got all these, you know, Alison Mack, Tom Welling, you know, all these yeah. great people, and then poor old Michael Rosenbaum with his bald head can't even have <laughs> the wind blowing his hair. Like, he <laughs> just at least had his tie flapping a little. <laughs> I felt sorry for him. Like, I love Kristen Kricks one. She kind of, like, <laughs> pauses and stops, and then she's all like, ah, I'm going to sniff you. But, <laughs> I'm going to sniff you. <laughs> That's the thing now. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan has. Uh, first, I'm just going to object. You know, this episode is doomed when Lois, Lionel, Martha, and Jonathan are not even in yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. But I love that you know all the young people get like their their wind blowing through their hair shots. You know, Jonathan just gets like a kind of a serious look. The most glamorous one is for Annette O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he looks amazing. <laughs> They turn that wind machine up to like 200 kilometers or something, and she just looks like she's about to chat out on a pizza boy. Or <laughs> she's she's in a bikini at a sorority house door, pepperoni. <laughs> I'll go into that house. Hello, Annette. We go in the hot tub. <laughs> but seriously, there is something wrong that all of the best actors and characters and on this they're like what went wrong with this episode uh i think the vampires just didn't work oh I, maybe we didn't write it well enough uh maybe the narration you know didn't help it maybe you left all the real actors out of the show when we're here with tom welling and Kristen crook tom welling can't it's carry an episode i mean I, again no knock against i mean i love tom welling for what he does well which are like those awkward moments another one you know, coming up when he shows up at the costume party. <laughs> <laughs> and even beneath the mask, just this awkward smile as this girl's flirting with him at the door is just fantastic. But, I mean, line delivery isn't his thing, and, and Kristen Crook, her, her thing is not hissing, because it just gets so <laughs> annoying by the end of the episode. And it looks ridiculous. I, I mean, that the whole cape bit... Like, he's a weird person, Clark Kent, isn't he? Because, like... He's got, you know, the gorgeous Kristen Kirk on top of him, sniffing him and licking him and going off at him. And he's all like, oh, what are we doing? Oh, I don't like this, you know, harking back to Sarah Carter days. But then yeah. next minute he's at the door and he's like openly flirting with this girl, you know, like all <laughs> awkwardly, which again takes me to Chloe, who's all like, you know, oh, Lana, how could you? You're with Clark. Yet it's all right for Clark to be there at the door, like going, how you doing? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've got another piece of trivia on that oh, one. Oh, please, and I, only, I love trivia. I only figured this out, you know, a brief recognition when I was watching. If I hadn't watched the commentary afterwards, I never would have stopped. But the shirtless cowboy that she's dancing with, did you recognize him at all? Uh, I was too busy staring at his abs. I was Jamie in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I mean, you know, you're a big fan of Ryan Murphy, so I'm surprised you didn't notice that this is Finn from oh, Glee. is it? Shirtlessly cowboy dancing. Really? With Lana Lang of Smallville. Oh, I have to go back and. I looked it up afterwards. He's, he's the shirtless cowboy in this episode. I'm like, Corey Monteith. This guy look for me. Yeah. Rest in peace. Wow. Okay. Gee, I didn't notice that. Wow. Small time cameo long before he made it. Must have been looking at those abs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's another one who's like, I mean, I think he was like about 33 or 34 when he's playing 16 year old Finn in Glee, I think. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, how old was he there? Um, I, I don't even know where we're up to. Talk. I mean, we're chilling over well, the party scene. The party, Clark, like, are we going not... through her, her underwear drawer? Yeah, <laughs> Is that sure. what she was doing? 
I was going to talk about Lana falling down and snapping all her bones and getting up and oh, all your invincible, the cheesiness of that. But, I mean, <laughs> we can go to underwear sniffing scenes. <laughs> so, uh, another bit of trivia here, again, from the commentary. People really need to listen to the commentary. It's, it's, it's very better than this to crap you're listening to, to right now. Go and listen to the commentary. <laughs> they stay on point. No, they know the, what they're talking about. They're talking about sniffing underwear. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, that scene where they toss her off the balcony and it just, again, it looks so bad. My wife breaks out laughing every time they snarl or show their fangs or give their bug eyes or whatever. But when she crash lands and everything, the original scripted scene for that was that they were supposed to be driving down a highway like 100 kilometers an hour and slam on the brakes and she was supposed to fly through the windshield and come up and live. And they, where you, you know, talking earlier on about how budget cuts for this episode were part of the problem. The budget basically said, we can't afford to do that. Can you throw her off a balcony instead? <laughs> and we get the lovely scene of her all bent out of shape and <laughs> noise. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you're like, Jamie bursts out laughing. I can imagine if you she include... <laughs> two are sick. When it comes to like watching a movie with somebody getting thrown through and then they catch on fire, you'd be, like, <laughs> you'd be in a theater. People are like, this is the most serious movie ever. And like you're cracking up laughing. Look at her bones getting broken. She's on fire. <laughs> we really are twisted, aren't we? <laughs> I'm never doing Shinja's list with you, ever. <laughs> never doing that movie with Colin Hilding. Philadelphia is out the window. <laughs> Oh, he's got AIDS! <laughs> no. I think we've, oh, we need to stop here. <laughs> we've touched on that before, but seriously, Philadelphia. <laughs> we're doing Titanic before Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so we're at the party. We get the reference, the throwaway line of how he likes wearing a cape, but not the mask. It's uncomfortable. Um, that was a pretty good line. I, liked I did, it. yeah. This just one. This I like. Yeah, I, I did like that. <laughs> like, I like the whole, where's your invitation? And then, oh, I'm going to let you in because of weird girl flirting with Clark. And then, like, yeah, like, she sees Lana hooking up with Finn. And then yeah. Clark's like, I'll go investigate. And yeah, ends up in a room, like, with, like, what? I didn't even realise at this point what's going on. This is the part where I'm like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Because it's also, again, people, if you didn't catch it the first time, go back and watch some of these moments just to see the reactions we're talking about. The way Tom Welling looks when he's doing that is like, he's basically rifling through her bras and panties. <laughs> and he just pulls out this picture. He's like, hmm, interesting. And he stuffs it in his pocket. <laughs> and you also have to, you also have to wonder... Why is she keeping a clipping of this mm. in this scrapbook of drunken pictures of herself? <laughs> because she's proud of the journalistic integrity of the Daily Planet. <laughs> this was one of Chloe's stories, I figure, when she was back at the Daily Planet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so this is about the, the bit where um, Lana then knocks... Is this a bit where she gets the superpowers? <laughs> Yeah, okay. she bites Clark and suddenly has heat vision. Oh, because this is where this is. Where we find out, don't we, about the the uh, so Chloe's been bitten. Here we go. We've got the lesbian bit. Um, we've been waiting for Lana and Chloe to hook up for a while. This happens. Um, so Chloe's ridiculously sick. She's got rabies. 
<laughs> Apparently that's funny. James Masters just happens to be there. Why not? And then we eventually find out through the great acting skills of Tom Welling and Michael Rosenman, which is actually quite good, about um, Project 1138. I love the fact that they've got to, like... The, I don't know if this is in the commentary or not, but the, I'm sure the writers at some point have gone, let's do an episode about vampires. Awesome. Okay. We've got James Masters on board. Ha ha. In joke references to Buffy. Hilarious. But like, rather than just being simply like, oh, vampires exist in the world of, of Superman, we've got to come up with a complete backstory to a disease that slightly resembles the mythology of what vampires are like. Like, why do they need to explain it? Like, seriously, is this a world of Superman, okay? This is a guy who's flown from another planet and he's the man of steel who can shoot lasers from his eyes and can hear people talking as x-ray vision. At what point do we need to have the scientific possibilities that vampires come from an actual disease similar to rabies? Yeah, and I mean, I I think that it's kind of backwards in this. They needed Clark to be hurt in order <laughs> to give them the remedy. And in Smallville, there's always one of two things. You either became infected because of kryptonite or kryptonite can cure you. And in this one, they wrote themselves in a corner where they're like, well, they're going to need kryptonite as the cure. So let's just come up with some weird bat thing and <laughs> like you know, the rabies disease and all that. It's just, it's just, ugh. I honestly believe that they said, do a vampire episode. And the writer was sitting there struggling, like, I just, I can't figure out how to make this make sense. Like, doesn't matter, just, you know, throw in some lesbians and it'll all make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Just, let's, let's film it, come on. There's actually a movie, this is again maybe one of our blind rewatches, or perhaps this is one that you watch constantly, Colin, I don't know. But when I worked at a CD DVD store, um, there was a movie, I think it's called like Lesbian Vampire Zombie Killers or something like that. So I've heard the name. (laughs) Of course, we all have. We're men. Jamie, see, we're all bastards. Um, But... Yeah, and it's I love the fact that, you know, we talked about this the other week, didn't we? Where was where was Clark's lead paint? Like, I mean this is yeah. lead. <laughs> Simple, right there. Uh I do I do like Lana with powers though. She does get powers in another episode, does she not? I, I vaguely remember she, Lana with powers. She gets them, yeah, um in I think a couple episodes in season seven or right. season eight. Okay. She's in it for that long? I thought she leaves, like, at the end of the season. I can't even remember. Well, she leaves at the end of six and then comes back in season eight for a few episodes. With powers. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's Batman. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I love the, the scene where she uses her laser, whatever, to burn that, you know, the vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, again, Lana's <laughs> just killed someone, okay? Are we, are, we just, are we just gelling over sweet old little innocent entrepreneur from Smallville has just willingly murdered someone? <laughs> Did she just mean to call her an entrepreneur? You called her entrepreneur, or were you meaning to call her entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, that she really is both, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's just she's the world-renowned woman who just started from Smallville with a talent, and now here she is, just you know, doing a thing. So you see, like, first of all, this isn't the first person she has killed on Smallville. Oh, isn't it? Oh, she's a murderous bitch. Oh, I forgot about all those other murders that Lana Lang's covering up. It's not even the second, and every time I watch this episode, I have the same reaction. Like, she just killed a person with zero consequences, and it's not even the only time it happens. And as I'm sitting there mocking this, I go back and I listen to the commentary, and at the same spot where I'm saying, I, I still can't believe she just murdered a person. The, the the producers and writer are basically saying, it's like, I love that there was this one thread on the internet that said, Lana Lang 
coffee shop owner, cheerleader, murderer. <laughs> Those are the stages of her life. We need, we need to have a Lana Lang kill count. I remember during 24, there was a website. It was like jackpowerkillcount.com or something like that. And just literally updated after every episode. Where's the Lana Lang one? She's probably killed more than Jack Power. <laughs> and it's always with zero consequences. Like, she kills a woman in this episode. And Clark's like, I'm just glad you're better, Lana. It's all right. And meanwhile, like... Clark stands her up so he could save, like, you know, a five-year-old out of a burning building. And Lana's like, Clark, I will never forgive you for missing my birthday. <laughs> Meanwhile's like, Lana, you do know that you burned a girl to death last week? And Not I... to mention when you stabbed Jane Seymour in the chest <laughs> the previous year. <laughs> Can I can I please just uh, I, I'm I'm putting a Ford apology right now to all women out there for my next comment because it might come across as sexist. All right, oh, I just no. I'm Ford. Why do I feel we have an edit point coming up? This won't be an edit point because there's context to this. Lana is okay. a typical girl because she's on top of Clark, like macking it on with him. Clark does nothing, and then she's all like changes her mind and is all like, "Oh, when you want to stop talking about your feelings and all this sort of stuff, come back to me." And she's like, "As you're going on, I like to say something." from a tree you missed my birthday five minutes like that that is that is a girl that is that is she's she's a brilliant actress in yes. that that's my point apologies to all women you can I, again i've called men bastards this whole episode i'm equalizing the the gender bashing in this episode but like, but in all honesty this this really is an episode that is about women manipulating men. Well, exactly. So See? they can eat them. <laughs> I can stand by my comments. And again, the power that women have over men. Jamie clearly doesn't understand that. I want Jamie, if you are listening to this, the next time Colin comes home from work, he's had a hard day, you need to open the door in a bikini and see his reaction, all right? <laughs> that is the test to see how it will work because I guarantee you Colin <laughs> will be taken aback. And if at that point you don't end up in a hot tub, then seriously, you need to rethink your marriage because... <laughs> you, you know what? Sadly, the security camera for our floor points directly at our front door. So, so the security guards will watching. be loving it too. They will be taken aback. <laughs> Maybe we're just summer. I realise it gets cold in Winnipeg at this time of year. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we've kind of jumping again. I keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> we've got the Lex, uh, Clark scene when we get the cure with the needles and the kryptonite. I had to rewind that bit just cause it was so good. <laughs> when Lana comes in, I'm like, where did Lex go? I didn't even realize he'd like fell to the floor like a tiny little child and somehow got knocked out because of that. Um, I want to do a count of how many people just get knocked out every week on Smallville. Like, <laughs> these people should have, like, massive head trauma at this point. If you've been <laughs> knocked out that many times, serious risk of concussion or maybe death, I'm thinking. Isn't there, um, somebody did a video where they got, they got a doctor to go over Home Alone and all the uh, the bits where all the, uh, the wet bandits were getting injured, and they legitimately, from a scientific standpoint, were like, okay, he's dead at that point. Like, when he gets the bricks dropped yeah. on him in uh, the second one. So we need to have somebody that for Smallville. Like, okay, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not surviving that. <laughs> and, and if not, he just has a really low tolerance to pain. <laughs> well, you know, he's he's into those movies I was talking about before. <laughs> but um, so anyway, long story short, um, Clark saves Lana, stabs Lana. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, she's cured, and funnily enough, oh, what a surprise! She missed. She doesn't remember a lot of it, so she doesn't remember the fact that oh, I got some of Clark's powers. You know, convenient. <laughs> um, 
And then, of course... She oh, just the- remembers feeling warm. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Well, I think I wrote that down. What was it? Something I felt when I bit you. Warmth and love. <laughs> Is that the writer's attempt at turning this into love and romantic? Like, that sounds all kinds of wrong. Something I felt when I bit you, Clark. Warmth and love. <laughs> like, sounds like a sadistic. Like, that's back to Lana Lang willingly murders people. Oh, <laughs> uh, um... There, okay, I got a whole bunch of complaints about this next set of scenes. So we just want to cover the whole ending here. Uh, the only thing I was going to add, which we might add, I was just going to add about the music. The music this episode was really good in some of these scenes. But again, you go and we'll talk about the music. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. This episode okay. makes us thirst. It's shit. So we're just going all over the place. <laughs> you thirst for a good episode uh, of the Oz Network where you're not getting one. That's right. We want to deliver you the very bottom of the barrel on a weekly basis. <laughs> um okay so lana's committed murder they talked about how the other girls are all you know taken away and cured police have investigated this they will be asking questions where this missing girl buffy is since everybody knows where she is uh plot hole number one plot hole number two it is clearly days later because chloe is writing this story now she's talking about clark and lana are you know back to normal and everything and she's back at school. So this isn't the next morning. So when we go back to Lex's house and he has those repair guys repairing the ceiling, how long did it take for them to repair this broken window in the richest man in America's mansion? <laughs> this is like a week later and they're finally getting around to it. And plot hole number three, why are they talking about this this conversation about this highly confidential thing you didn't share it with Milton Fine or whatever and this highly confidential Luther Corp thing with these two janitors in the background sweeping glass up like they have no privacy here well we know what the security's like at the mansion so I mean, you know. exactly that's what I was mentioning earlier there's big problems with security there <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I, I kind of didn't think about it that way, actually. But um, oh, we we could just do an entire series and the plot holes of Smallville. They'd be longer than these episodes, I think. But we do like Smallville. It's a good show. Um, Love. Just the music. I don't know if you want to touch on the music. Um, and there weren't songs that I know, but uh, they're ones that I want to look up. They suited the the tone of the episode, like you know when we've got the sorority houses, and I just think the music was fun. I don't know if you really noticed it during the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I I did notice there was a lot of music in this one. It's not like you have your typical Smallville song, you know, which is kind of weepy, maybe a little bit emo, um, <laughs> probably sounds like Five for Fighting. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this 11. episode definitely... <laughs> even finger 11 is weepy on small <laughs> but this one definitely had a lot more energy i did notice that looking through the soundtrack the first song that's listed here wicked lil girls oh. by estero uh estero was a, a pretty successful i don't know if i go like hugely successful but a, a very decent singer canadian singer in like the late 90s early 2000s um, never heard of her. <laughs> I, uh, look up she's got some good stuff it's 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 on a level with finger 11's one thing at least wow. that's the only one i've heard of on here i haven't heard of the other artists but i mean the music didn't sound like your typical smallville I, i'm looking at uh estero right now um i thought it was share at first of all but it's not <laughs> <laughs> okay i see i see which pick yeah you're looking at recent pictures. Well, <laughs> I see that. Appearances on TV soundtracks. Um, it's got here her song, Wicked Little Girls, 
has appeared in the film Miss Congeniality 2, commercial spots for Sex in the City and Desperate Housewives, and on the TV show Boston Legal, Smallville, and Las Vegas. There you go. <laughs> We've got a lot of Canadian music. That we're, we're just going to have a, the Canadian Smallville song of the week here. Well, and here we go. He's, I'm just he's a... this. I don't want to sound cruel, but what did Astero do to herself? She really does look like Cher now. <laughs> well, here's a connection to 007, also available via iTunes. Uh, she has a soundtrack appearance on the James Bond video game, James Bond 007 Nightfire, where she performed the song Nearly Civilized. Oh, what a song that was. <laughs> I didn't even know it. I mean, it... I guarantee you it was better than writings on the wall. <laughs> well, that's not that hard. Um, the closing, the closing bit, Chloe gets a story. Yay, she's got a job. Yay, she's got a job. The dream job. Yay. Uh, I did love the line there, which in a way is actually kind of true, going back to realistic journalism talk. Um, when Chloe says, uh, the most exciting part isn't having your finishing your story, it's having somebody else read it. It's kind of true. You do get a bit of a buzz when somebody reads it, but it's not the best feeling in the world when you read it the next day in the newspaper and the editor has ripped it to shit and it basically changed it. That's not a good feeling. But, Are uh, your stories online as well? Are mine or Chloe's? <laughs> well, when I said yours, I wasn't I didn't either were yours. I'm sorry. I was, I, was, I was listening to myself, apparently. There are still some of my stories online. Yes, if you type in Are Ben Waterworth the Mercury, go for it. Are there comment sections? Uh, probably. Why? Are you wanting to comment? Go, this is shit. Don't write it. No, I'm just wondering if you feel as good when you read people's comments on your stories. Well, generally, you don't. I mean, for the most part, the comments are just about what you've written about. So it's kind of like, oh, no, Chloe didn't kill someone or, you know. I'm sorry. I searched Ben Waterworth Mercury. It comes up with your Twitter, your LinkedIn, followed by police investigate after shots fired through the window. <laughs> I, I, I remember that story. I've actually, I've done it too. Tasmanian couple share a driving passion for classic cars. <laughs> <laughs> followed by no tax relief for the 80% of Tasmanian workers earning less and American Idol star Adam Lambert hits Hobart. <laughs> Followed by tragedy as mother drowns after swimming incident in the northwest. <laughs> so this is real. Real life journalism isn't that far off from vampire, lesbian, sorority girls. It's yep. shots fired through the window, mother drowned, Adam Lambert. <laughs> as you can see, I wrote about a lot during my time in the Mercury. <laughs> I just want to, yeah, I just want to say, I, I, I don't find a comment section on here, but... Uh, it depends. I mean, I, it was it would come... I, mean, I don't think I ever got a comment saying, like, oh, this journalist is shit. So please, Google Ben Waterworth the Mercury and add the first one to it. I'll find it, no doubt. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, you and your journalism. Um, I can't really relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just... I lived the life of the Daily Planet. That's basically what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yes. I, I got... I got Stood up by James Marsters. <laughs> You've got your journalism. <laughs> Talking about Adam Lambert and people dying in the Northwest. So um, I do like how Chloe ends with up, up and away. That was kind of like, oh, you know, Superman. <laughs> oh, so I, somehow I missed that. Oh, well, look, go back and watch it right now. Um, I, I mean, I said at the beginning of the episode that, you know, when this first aired, I'm like, that was awful. And when it came out on DVD, I skipped it the first time. I only have ever watched this one other time since because when i got the the box set 
uh, the full season five box set. I skipped this episode and I skipped one other, which maybe we'll cover that one day. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the only other time I rewatched this episode was when the the season 10 was ending a couple of years ago and I rewatched every episode of Smallville. So I hadn't seen this in years, but it legitimately did make me feel nauseous. And <laughs> I, I feel... The women in the I, bikinis I felt, or... <laughs> I felt down. I don't know what it is. I felt down afterwards. Like maybe it's because I hold Smallville <laughs> such a high regard, but I was like excited to do the episode today where we're going to talk about Smallville. And then I watched the episode and I'm like... <laughs> Can I just go to bed? Like, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> You're like, I felt so down afterwards. Like, <laughs> you watch an episode like with women in bikinis. Like, I mean, the episode shit, but I mean, at least you get some women in bikinis. Oh, I felt so down afterwards. If only there was more you of shirtless I'm- Corey Monteith, I would have felt so much better. <laughs> I want to put this into context. Um, if you're watching this in order, uh, and this will come up again, this episode is preceded by the Aquaman episode, which features Lois Lane at the beach in a bikini, <laughs> and it is followed by Exposed, which features Lois Lane in a bikini at a strip club. And why aren't we watching uh, those episodes? <laughs> to be honest, they weren't very good either. <laughs> Where's Sarah Carter again? You said she's on another episode. Where's she? Uh, I wanted to throw one more thing out here. I don't know if you had m- meant to mention this or not, but the following the thing on the end here where it says, this ed- episode is dedicated to the memory of Kimberly Regent. It's funny, is it? <laughs> Did you not have that on yours? I had it, but I don't know why we're laughing. What's wrong with Kimberly Regent? I mean, she's dead. I mean, why are we laughing? <laughs> Sorry, this is so bad. Wow. Is this an edit point? <laughs> I have... First, my first thought was, what terrible thing did she do in life where this is the episode they dedicate to her memory? And wow. then I find out, listening to the commentary, they're, they're sitting there ripping apart their own episode and laughing and everything on the end of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, one of the producers or the writer says, you know, this episode is dedicated in the commentary to Kimberly Regent. She was a prop master for the show and, you know, a loving member of the Smallville family. And she passed away halfway through this season. So we dedicated this episode in her honor. They just finished saying this was the worst episode <laughs> that they were ever involved in. And they end with this solemn, we want to thank Kimberly Regent and dedicate the worst episode of Smallville ever <laughs> in her honor. Well, I've found, I've found a page on millenniumthisiswhowear.net um, on, on her and I love the fact, you know, it's obviously mentioning about, you know, her passing away. She died of lymphatic cancer, sadly, uh, and she'd worked on several shows, most notably Millennium, clearly. That's why she's on this one. But I love the fact that it got here. It's got personal trivia. Underneath, then it says, awards won for Millennium. Unfortunately, Kimberly Regent didn't win any awards for Millennium. Awards nominations for Millennium. Sadly, Kimberly Regent didn't receive, like... If she just write, can't they just write the word none rather than sadly, Kimberly Regent didn't receive any award nominations. Couldn't they just omit yeah, the award section on this page? <laughs> or even, I love this, official website. Sorry, we don't currently have an official website. Official Twitter page. Sorry, we don't currently have an official Twitter. Do you want to know why you don't have an official Twitter page? She died several years before Twitter was invented. I- I'm putting don't it out put there. That website's there. Canadian. <laughs> Sorry, we don't have a Twitter. We're Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if that was Australian, nah, mate, she fucking doesn't have one. She's dead. <laughs> I'm 
so sorry, Kimberly Region. You deserve better than thirst. Because here's the thing. You would think, okay, well, maybe she died during this episode. They said she died halfway through the season. So she probably had died maybe the week before this episode was aired or something. Did they not look at Aqua before this or exposed <laughs> after this and say, you know what, I know none of these are great, but... This one's slightly better than the others. Do we really have to give her a thirst? Why? So it's, it's kind of like everybody's watching this episode, you know, you just wanted to go to bed and you're like, oh, this is shit. But then at the end, you're like, oh, somebody died and then potato came. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> like, that's, that's what they've, like, ended it with. So everyone's it's so angry. I was, down. <laughs> I was down not just because of, now we've been hit with death from somebody of the Smallville family. Uh, but Lana killed this her. is their tribute. Seriously, is this on her, like, tombstone? <laughs> Like, in loving memory of, thank you for thirst. <laughs> yeah, does that automatically go on a person's uh, headstone once they're in loving memory of somebody? Like, better add that to their headstone. <laughs> we just get a profile picture of Christine Crook with her bug eyes and her neck and arms twisted. <laughs> Hissing and sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the tribute video. Because <laughs> they've done a tribute montage. At the Academy Awards. It's like, oh, poor Kristen. <laughs> He's Chris. <laughs> Just sniffing lesbian vampires and shirtless Finn. <laughs> so the day that Kristen crack, cracks it and they do a, a you know, a, in loving memory at the Oscars and the Emmys, it's just going to be a shot of twisted Kristen Kirk sniffing. <laughs> I mean, she's the prop master, so what did she contribute on this episode? The fangs? <laughs> Finn's cowboy hat? Clark's cape? I don't know. The green needles? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we are at the We're point... Sorry, of- <laughs> <laughs> yes. We had to end it on a downer. <laughs> In loving memory of the career of the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is a part of the uh, episode where we rent it, buy it, bin it, basically. So, is it on the shelf? Do we want to keep it forever? Do we just want to go down to the local video store? Which we really should change to the local iTunes store and download yeah, it and I rent do. it. Yeah. Uh, or do we just never want to think this episode ever exists? Go away. Piss off thirst. You suck. Um, now I'm just looking here at the history of what we've done so far on uh, the Oz Network with, uh, in terms of the six-day Twister, Logan, and two episodes of Smallville. Now, your history is that you have uh, wanted to buy everything we've ever done with the exception of the six-day. <laughs> you just wanted to rent the six-day. I'm 50-50. I wanted to rent the six-day in uh, Smallville Suspect, but I wanted to buy Twister and uh, Obsession. I've kind of got a feeling we might be in the same page here. At least I hope we are. I'm bidding yeah. this. This is gone. This is out. Thank you. Bye-bye. I never want to see it again. Yeah, this is in the recycling bin. Wipe the hard drive and then maybe burn your laptop. Just forever rid yourself of thirst because I am far too depressed after watching an episode of commentary and recording this to ever go through this pain again. Wow. Here we go. We've got the very first red on my little list here. So we've got lots of green, lots of yellow and red. I've even got Jamie on this list now as... Um, <laughs> Buying Logan, although she wanted to buy it at Walmart on Boxing Day, did she not? (laughs) (laughs) That's right, yeah. Oh, there we go. All right, done. We never talk about that episode again. (laughs) I just, one thing I really want to point out to you talking about trivia, um, I love the fact if you go to Smallville Wiki, you know, good old Wiki, and they have their trivia section. 
title. Thirst means to feel dry, parched, or have a strong desire for something. Thank you very much, Smallville Wiki. I did not know that. Um, have we got another do one? They we have doing... a section... Yeah, do they have a section on sniff and what... <laughs> <laughs> sniff! What Lana does between killing people. Um, are we doing more? What's our next one? You, you talk up the next bit because I don't know what the next episode's about. <laughs> Uh, I took a bit of a break from just selecting the episodes here, and I did a random Smallville episode generator. And the first episode that came up uh, was not one that would really be any fun to cover. Uh, But the second one that came up was exactly what I was looking for. It is uh, Season 9, Episode 8. So we're jumping ahead several seasons, the second last season of Smallville, the season that has General Zod in it. And Episode 8 is called Idol. And this episode features, kind of like we mentioned with Milton Fine in this, you know, characters from the Smallville comic books. But these weren't really characters. They started in an animated series. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, the old Super Friends animated TV show. Can't say I have ever seen it, no. Okay, well, I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with the Wonder Twins, but they were like the Jar Jar Binks of the DC Universe (laughs) back in the 70s. Uh characters of two kids with really lame powers that they had teaming up with the justice league and the super friends animated show and they kind of developed a cult following over the years and in season nine they finally did bring them to smallville so we're gonna get to cover the wonder twins Great. next week i'm season nine i am just with that teaser uh, <laughs> i am looking forward to it is there, is there sniffing involved at any point <laughs> No, <laughs> no, but th- there there is a lot of fist bumping. Is Lois <laughs> in this episode? Lois is in the episode. Good. Sadly, a lot of other characters aren't. But we finally get Lois. This is what I've been waiting for for the last I don't know thirteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Collins has been sitting around for thirteen years. God, I really hope one day I can podcast with an Australian and talk about <laughs> Lois Lane from Smallville. One day it's going to happen, Jamie. You know it's going to happen. Put that bikini back on. <laughs> that's how i imagine your relationship goes in private yeah I, i'm i'm gonna say it's funny because this episode i saw it when it originally aired i saw it when i watched through season nine when i bought the dvd i saw it when i watched through the entire show it's it's one that i always forget actually exists so i don't even remember what my reaction was to this episode. So it's going to be interesting to go back and see if this was one I really liked or didn't like at all. You will have to wait and see because you are listening to the Oz Network and we like to tease better than vampires in sorority houses because that's how we do. Um, You can, of course, download all our episodes via iTunes as well as theoznetwork.net and Stitcher, apparently coming soon. People like the way I say Stitcher. Stitcher, Stitcher, Stitcher. 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 How do I... Do I sound weird? How do I sound when I say it? Like, what do I want to say? Stitcher? Is that... You want me to say it in an American-Canadian accent? Like... (laughs) I I didn't realise I sounded like I was from... Wakita, Kansas, or Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma, Colin. <laughs> Stitcher. <laughs> anyway, uh, we might be on there soon. So find us, leave us feedback, tell us how shit this episode was, but how much you love the Oz Network, 
and uh, subscribe. Rate us. I said that already, but I'm doing it again. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You know the drill. Blah, 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 blah. And until we next speak again for another episode of Smallville or TV, movies, whatever, random museums in Kansas, Oklahoma, wherever the fuck they are. Um, my name is Ben. And uh, with the end of this episode, I guess um, I could also get old and rithered and sag in places you don't want to see sag. I should have led with that one. That was a good one. <laughs> and I am Colin, and anybody with information on the Bridgewater shooting, uh, police are appealing to anyone with information to phone the Bridgewater Police or Crime Stoppers on 1-800-333-000. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.